Good morning, good morning. How you guys doing? Nothing like Kanye West on Mother's Day with a little bit of Jesus walks. How about that? Hey, I'm really excited to be here to share with you guys. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. Before we really dive in here into what we're going to be talking about, where we're going to be studying, if you guys want to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 11, I I just have a couple of quick questions for you guys. Who in here is like the, um, is like the newest mom? Is there like the newest mom? Somebody that just had a kid like maybe six months ago, eight months ago, a month ago? Stand up if you think you're like the newest mom in here. Anybody? Is there anybody that thinks that? Pregnant? No, no. Last eight months? Okay. Hey, come on up. Here, here's a free pedicure. Oh, see, y'all, now, now there's like 10 other moms that want to stand up, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, so much for y'all. So yeah, give her a hand. Here you go. Okay, let, let's try this. Now everybody's going to stand up on this one, you know. Who, who has the most kids? What mom in here has the most kids? If you have five kids or more, stand up. Anybody with five kids? Five kids. Four, four kids? Four kids. Okay, who has the oldest of those four kids? <laughs> I can't ask that. Who, who, um, who has a kid that has four or more kids that's like 20 or above? Okay, 25 or above? 30 or above? 32 or above? 35 or above? All right, 35 or above, right back here. Yes, come on up. Okay, I was told not to do this one, but I don't care. Um, who, who has had the longest childbirth, 24 hours or more? 24, oh, okay, okay, there's two right now. How about, how about 36? Anybody beat 36? 30, 28, 27. 27, right back there. Come on up. Manicure and pedicure. Any mom that's done that much pain deserves a good day. So I know that women like this kind of stuff. So if I gave this away on like Father's Day, they'd be like, what are you giving me? Toenails? I don't know. Oh, we should just give these away all the time. Okay. Listen, when, when you guys fill this place up, I will give these away every week, okay? There, there, there's the deal. When you guys fill up all these seats, I will give out manicures and pedicures every week. That'll motivate somebody. So, Janet, apparently that's you. So, anyways, we're in this series called Jesus. We're talking about the man, the myth, the legend, and we're just talking about some different aspects and some different stories and some different things about Jesus and what he did and why a lot of us maybe struggle with some of those things because, I mean, they just seem so unbelievable. They seem so uh, enormous. They seem so huge. And the question that I have for you guys today is, is how many of you guys would say, you know what, I could use God to do something pretty supernatural in my life. I could use God to do something pretty huge, come through in a big way, and man, I would just love for God 
to work on my behalf. Maybe you've been praying and you've been praying for something for a while and you're just like, man, God, I need this to happen. How many of you guys would say that? Are there quite a few hands? Okay, there's, there's quite a few hands. There's a, quite a few things there. I, I just really believe that today we're gonna be taking a look at the story of Lazarus. And I believe that the thing that a lot of us, what happens to a lot of us in a lot of our lives is that we have things that have happened in our lives. We've been praying, we've been believing, we've been wanting all these things to happen. And what happens is we have not seen them happen and we think that those things are dead. And I believe that today as we're gonna study this text in John chapter 11, that the same things that we think are dead, Jesus can speak to in an instant and the dead things that are in our lives can become alive. And so today we're gonna dive into some text. We're gonna start in verse one. If you have your Bibles, John chapter 11, verse one, it says, now a man named Lazarus was sick and he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary was the brother, was brother Lazarus, now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on Jesus on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one that you love is sick. Now, if you guys kind of pause right there, if you guys wanna take a look at this story, what's happening is, is what you can see is that there are some loved ones who are not doing well, very well. And these guys are kind of becoming in a panic. They're like, man, something is not right with our family member and we don't know what's happening. And God, we know that you've healed people. We know that you've done some miraculous things. And what we need for you to do is to come intervene in our situation and and we need some help and we need it really quickly and so God if you could come and take a look at the situation maybe intervene here that would be incredible and then Jesus speaks up and he said and when Jesus heard this Jesus said the sickness will not end in death in other words it's looking bad but I've, I've got a plan in this and he says it is not it is for God's glory that the son may be glorified through it and it's as if Jesus is saying is okay man guys Things don't really look good on your timetable, but I've got something incredible that I wanna do. And it's not something that, so that you can look around and say, you know what, oh, that was a really cool thing, but it's something that's gonna be supernatural that the only thing that you can say is that, man, God came through in that instance. God came through and he had his hand on this and man, it's only for him and we've got to give God all the glory. We've gotta worship him because the only way that that could happen is if he came through. And some of you guys out there right now are facing some insurmountable odds. You're facing some things that are going on in your life and you're saying, man, this is going the wrong way. This is going the wrong direction. This isn't how I, I planned it. I don't understand it, man. And I don't know what's going on. And, and maybe you're saying, man, this sickness in my life or this obstacle that I'm facing, I don't know what's gonna happen. And Jesus is saying that this thing that you're facing will not end in death. He's like, man, I've got a divine strategy in this. Man, I've got something that's gonna happen that's gonna take place, it's gonna be incredible. It's kinda like this, man. I was watching Rocky. You know, there's like 475 Rocky movies. You never know which one. So I was, I don't know which one I was watching, but I was watching the one where he's fighting the Russian dude. You guys, you guys know which, is that Rocky Three or is that four, th Rocky Three? He's, he's fighting Dragon. And basically, Rocky is getting the crap kicked out of him. Is it Rocky Four? I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's Rocky 75, okay? <laughs> so he's in the middle of this fight and basically Rocky's MO is that he gets the snot kicked out of him. And so it's like the eighth round. There's like 37 rounds in every fight. I don't know why there is in that, but it's like, they're like, Rocky, you're getting killed out there. And, and he's like, yo, man, I know. And, and they, they say, <laughs> They're like, Rocky, what are you doing? And he's like, yo, you, you got a strategy? And that was his response in this movie. You got a strategy? 
And, and, you know, and I love Rocky strategy. It's like, let me get the crap kicked out of me for 10 rounds. And then all of a sudden a light's going to turn on. And when he punches me, I'm going to hit him back 17 times and I'm going to knock him out. And his strategy is this divine strategy where at some point God is going to intervene. And it doesn't always look good. It doesn't always look like it's going to come to pass. But somehow, in the end, he always comes through. And that's exactly like God. It's like, it says, no matter what our circumstances look like, no matter what's happening, man, this is not going to end in death. This is not going to end in a bad way. And, and, and so we got to understand that, man, God is doing something incredible in that. And speaking of movies, how many of you guys are, are kind of sick and weird like me and you really like scary movies? You like those movies that are kind of crazy and dark and stuff, you know? And, and I want to just kind of play a little game here this morning. I'm going to say like a phrase or I'm going to sing like some sort of theme music, which is kind of scary. And, and so I want you guys to help me out and tell me like what, what movie that's from. So you guys remember this one? Dun-dun, dun-dun. Jaws. We all know Jaws, right? We all don't go to the beach anymore because of that movie. Uh, how about, how about this one, this phrase um, that is, is talking to a babysitter and they say, do you know where the children are? Anybody remember that? No. What is it? Children of the corn. Pretty scary. <laughs> Nobody's seen that movie. Okay, okay, let me try another one. I'm not doing very good here. How about this one? Do you like scary movies? <laughs> Anybody remember that? Scream, man, come on. I mean, that's like the 90s. That's like, everybody here should remember that. No, okay. Do you guys remember this movie called The Sixth Sense? Do you remember what this young man would see all the time? What did he see? I see dead people. I don't know. I think that one's kind of cool. I mean, that's kind of like a superpower. You can see dead people. It's kind of like pastors. We have superpowers, you know. Like we can be talking to you and we know exactly what happened in your week and we can tell you about it. You know, we read our Bibles, and when we're studying to, for the messages and stuff, they kind of hover off the ground and, you know, supernatural things. We never hit a red light. Did you know that? If you're riding with a you never hit a red light. Every single one's green. <laughs> supernatural powers, just like I see dead people. But this is the thing. This is being serious. You know what? I do see dead people. When I go to the mall, and I love to go to the mall, there's all kinds of people there, and they're dead. And when I go to the gym, which I don't really like going to, you can tell by my physique, um, I see all kinds of dead people. When I come into church, I see a lot of dead people. I see a lot of dead people out there. And if you're writing notes, you can take this down. You can be dead while you're still alive. You can be alive on the outside, but you can be very, very dead on the inside. And I see dead people, and I believe that you do too. I mean, you think about this. We see dead people all the time. Maybe some of you guys see some people that are, that are relationally dead. You know, they're just, they're just going through life and they're superficial and they, they've got all these superficial relationships and they never let anybody in and, that, man, they're just relationally dead. You see it in marriages where two people are, are married and they're living together, but basically they're just roommates. They're relationally dead. You see it in, in people who never, who never go past the beginnings of, hey, how's it going? It's going great. And that's the answer you get every single time. Relationally dead. I see dead people all the time, alive on the outside, but completely dead on the inside. And as we talk about the story of Lazarus, man, he was dead. He died in the story, and, and, and maybe some of you out there, man, there's some things that are inside of you that have, have died, or maybe some things that are in the process of dying right now, and I believe that God wants to bring some of those areas back to life in your life. 
today. And uh, let me kind of just summarize a couple of these verses that we're going to skip down to. Basically, verses 5 through 16, what's happening is, is that what happens is they can read. And, and Jesus heard that his good friend, he basically heard that Lazarus died. And instead of going right to Lazarus, he stayed where he was at for two more days and just kind of hung out there and did his thing. And at the end of those two days, he's like, hey guys, man, we're gonna go back to Judea. And the disciples are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know that we should go back to Judea. I don't know if you remembered, but last time we were in Judea, the Jews tried to kill us. And so here is good, Judea is bad. Maybe we should stay here. And Jesus is like, man, I don't care. We're gonna go back because here's the thing. We need to wake Lazarus up. Basically, he's saying, Lazarus is dead, and I'm going to do something supernatural in your lives. And so he said, man, we're going to go, and we're going to wake him up. And so they traveled there, and when they do, they get there, they see a couple of different types of people in a couple of different circumstances. And I just kind of want to talk about some of these people because I believe a lot of the circumstances that they're in, a lot of the attitudes that they have are the same attitudes that you and I have when we have dead areas in our lives. And we're gonna take a look at the first. And the first one is this guy named Thomas. And do you guys know what Thomas was known for? Anybody know? Doubting. And so you can kind of grab this. Thomas was dead in his doubts. Now, I'm, a, I'm reading a little bit into this story, but I want you guys to think about this. I want you to dig in deep, look a little bit beyond the, between the lines because the disciples are, are like, Jesus like, let's go back. And now let's go back to Judea because we don't wanna go there because they're gonna kill you. And Jesus is like, I don't care. And it's very likely that, that Thomas, right in that moment, he was being sarcastic in verse 11. Look at what he says. He says, then Thomas called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, oh, okay, let's go back also that we may die with him. In other words, he's like, man, if things aren't, aren't good right now, you know, we're gonna find out how good they really are because we're about to die, y'all. He's like, man, this, this is a jagged up situation, but if this guy wants to go, I mean, I guess it is. And some of us, we have the same kind of doubts. We have some very, very real spiritual doubts about God and where he's leading us. It's kind of like the little boy who, whose mother had her pantry down in the basement and he was terrified of the basement. And all the time, the mom would be like, hey, can you go get me some, some food out of the basement? And he'd be like, mom, I don't wanna go to the basement. And she'd be like, can you go get me a can of tomato soup out of the basement? And he's like, I'm not going to the basement. I'm scared to death of the basement. And she's like, listen, you can go in the basement because Jesus is there. He's like, Jesus is in the basement? She's like, yeah, Jesus is in the basement. So he walks over the door and opens the door and goes, yo, Jesus, can you toss me a can of tomato soup? Yeah, I thought it when it actually worked. That was good. <laughs> Just because he's there doesn't mean he always feels like he's there. Isn't that true? So many times we're told that Jesus is there, but he doesn't really feel like he's there. And, and, and a lot of times we're, we're praying and we're believing. We're like, God, man, if you're there, then why can't I feel you? And if I can't feel you, I mean, are you really gonna hear my request? And if, if you're really there and you hear me, man, are you good? And if you're good, are you gonna really do this thing? Because I don't know, is this like some sort of crutch? I'm just, just leaning on, I mean, what, is, what should I do here? I mean, what's wrong with the picture I find myself in? I don't understand. And we have all these doubts. And for me, I understand what that's like. One of the biggest seasons of doubt I ever had in my life was when I was in the middle of school studying to try to learn all this stuff and going through and saying, God, are you real? I mean, this all sounds good on paper, but is this tangible in my life? Do you really exist? And some of you, you're just like Thomas. You're dying right now in the doubts that you have about God. And then there's some of you that you're, you're just like Martha, and many of you guys will be able to relate to her. And Martha, she was dead in her delay. 
She was dead in her delay. What was her problem? It was taking Jesus too long for him to get on the scene and she was gonna let him be known. Check out verse 17. It says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus was already dead, had already been in the tomb for four days. How long was that dude dead? Okay, that wasn't very good. How long was he dead? Four days, that's a long time. I mean, this isn't like TV dead where, you know, like back in 24 when Jack Bauer would die and he'd be dead for like a little bit and they'd stick him with a needle and all of a sudden he's alive. He wasn't like dead like that. I mean, he was dead for four days. This is where like maggots are starting to crawl on your body and stuff and starting to eat you away and you're starting to smell. In fact, in the King James Bible, the one with the little naked baby on the back of the Bible, if you look in there in this verse, I don't know why I just said that, but it just reminds me of it all the time whenever I think of King James. It says in this verse, he stinketh. Basically, that's where he was at in his life. It was pretty bad. He was been dead for a while. He was starting to stink. And so, I don't know. That's just what I do when I study, I guess. We don't, you know, my full-time job, look for things that say weird things. Verse 21, here's where it's really at. And the Lord said to, Lord said, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. In essence, what took you so long? You could have been here in a day and a half and it took you four days. You could have been here in an instant. It took you a lot longer. What were you thinking? She was dead in her delay. And some of you, you're able to relate. You're able to relate because, man, I know some really great godly people that are madly in love with Jesus and they're waiting for that perfect someone and they, they're here at church and they see somebody come into a church service and they claim that person in Jesus' name that they're gonna be their spouse. They're like, man, I want that one, Jesus. Man, I've been living holy, devoted to you. And you claim them and pretty soon your best friend's marrying them. And you're like, Jesus, what is the deal? And you're dead in your delay. Some of, some of you guys, man, you know what it's like. You're out there and you've you got it all going on. You know, you've, you've got it all figured out. You're, you've, you're there and you're married. Man, and you're praying for your marriage to get better. You got some struggles that maybe behind the scenes that nobody else sees and you're, you're making it look good on the outside. But the reality is, is your marriage is falling apart and you're saying, God, man, I want something to happen. Man, I need something to happen and nothing's working, and you're about ready to give up, dead, in a delay. Maybe some of you guys have some family members, or you have a friend who you're believing God for a healing for, and you're praying, and you're praying, and you're praying, and nothing's happening, and you're saying, God, what is the deal? And you're like, what is the delay? Maybe some of you guys, you have some people in your lives that you're believing and you're praying for that you're believing that they would come to know Christ in an intimate way. They would experience a relationship with him like you've never experienced before. And the more you pray, it seems like the further and further they get. It seems like every time you pray, they go further and further away. And what's going in here, going on here? And you're saying, why the delay? See, Thomas was dead in his doubts and Martha was dead in her delay. And Mary perhaps was, was the, the most difficult. And if you're taking notes, Mary was dead in her discouragement. She was dead in her, her discouragement. You'll be able to relate. Check out verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet Jesus. But Mary just stayed at home. She just stayed at home. Can you feel the discouragement in her life? She said, why even bother? And some of you guys, you're in that same place. You're like, man, I've, I've had this addiction for a long time. I've went and talked to people. I've went to counselors. I've done the 12-step the program and I've done this and I've done that and I've prayed and that hasn't worked. And, and you know, it works for everybody else. But for some reason, it doesn't work for me and I don't really understand. And you're just discouraged. 
And you're saying, man, it, everybody else, it, it, God answers their prayer, but for some reason, blah, 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 blah. Then there's me. And you say to yourself, man, it's just no use. I'm just, it's just over with. And the question I have for you that I'd like for you to answer and be honest with yourself is this. What in your life is dead or dying? What in your life today is dead or dying? And be really honest. It could be your faith. Maybe for a long time, man, you are fully trusting God. You are, you are listening for a still small voice. And whenever you heard that voice, you'd obey and you'd hear God say, go talk to this person. You'd go talk to them and, and you'd hear God say, go do this and you would go do it. And pretty soon that voice started to fade. And pretty soon you weren't hearing it anymore and you weren't experiencing the joy of obedience like you used to experience. And you're becoming discouraged. Or could it be that like so many people, you're maybe, maybe there's some relationship issues and, and you say, man, my dad and I, we used to be really close, but right now there's just this tension and I don't really understand it. And, and man, and it feels like, man, that we can't figure this out. And, and re this relationship should be alive, but in just so many cases, man, this relationship, it just happens to be dead. Maybe financially, you find yourself dead in debt. You look good on the outside, but inside everything's crumbling. You can't make the ends meet. There's more month than there is money. And you're just struggling. And I understand, man, on, on the early side of ministry, man, it was, it was hard. I remember trying to put on this, this show that, man, I had it all together. I remember being at my first church and thinking, man, I had to be perfect. I had to, had to have everything going on right. I, I never could sin in my life. Nobody could ever catch me doing anything wrong. And, and I was fooling myself. And I was, while I was trying to do all this stuff, it was destroying the work that God was trying to do in me by what I was trying to do to please everybody else. And the discouragement that I was finding and the, and, and the delay that I was finding and, and man, the doubt that I was finding in God were so great because it was causing me to die because I was trying to be somebody that I wasn't. And I was dying. I was kind of like a glass that's full of water and, and it's so full that any little shake of that glass causes it to fall, to water to spill out. And man, my emotions were spilling out and my my doubts were spilling out and my regrets were spilling out and all these things were falling apart in my life because I was so full of hurt and anxiety and fear. In fact, there was, during that season, things were so tough that I remember it was just, you know, church is supposed to be like this really great place where everybody's really happy and likes each other and loves each other. And I remember being at church and and usually church is really great, and, and you, you guys are awesome. But at this church, it didn't happen to be this way. And uh, sheep, you know, people in the church can be kind of mean. And, uh, and they have a tendency to bite and bite hard. And I remember being in there and getting all this stuff thrown at me at work every single day that, man, wasn't cutting it, I wasn't making it, I wasn't, we weren't doing enough. And, and just coming home and just, just trying to act like I had it all together. And I remember Shayla asking me what's going on and, and just looking at her and just being like, man, everything is fine. And just breaking down and just being like, man, everything is not fine. And her just being like, you know, I don't understand, but I'm here. And she just put her arm around me and just kind of sat there with me in the middle of that. And just held me. 
And that's exactly how Jesus acts when we're going through those same kind of situations. It's exactly how he would react to us when we're going through the struggles of life and we feel like there's so many dead areas and we're hurting and we're broken and we don't know where to turn. Look at what it says in verse 33. It says, when Jesus saw Martha weeping and the Jews had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Jesus was hurting. Jesus right here is showing his emotion, man. He's seeing the pain in other people's lives, man, and, and he was hurting as well. And he said, where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And what did Jesus do? Jesus wept. Jesus wept. I mean, this, this is so ironic to me because here is Jesus. We know that he is about to do what? He's about to heal Lazarus. He's about to raise that dude from the dead. But instead of just going and doing that thing, what did he do? He went and sat down with them. In the pain that they were feeling, just put his arms around him and wept with him. And this is what it tells me about our God is when we are going through some insurmountable amounts of pain, God is just not there, just like, man, what's going on? Man, he is right there with us weeping. He is right there holding us, feeling the same emotions that we're feeling, saying, man, I'm right here with you. Man, I've got my arms of love wrapped around you and you don't have to go far to find me right here with you. And he was weeping. He was showing the same emotion because when his people are hurting, man, he is hurting as well. And he's crying because, man, people are hurting and he cares. And he cares. In fact, Jesus right now, it says in the Bible that he is high and exalted, up there with the Father praying for us right now. He's praying for us and I believe he's standing there with us, man, and he's feeling our pain and he's communicating that to his Father and some of you guys right now are in a season between the death of some things in your life and the resurrection of what God wants to do. And God is, is saying, man, don't delay, man. I know you don't see it right now. I know you don't understand. I know that some of you guys are dead in your discouragement, but take heart, man, because I've got something for you, man. Do not get discouraged. Do not forget this, that God's delays are not God's denials in your life. And that is so big because so many times what we think is when, when things don't happen the way that we think they should happen, when we think that they should happen, we think that God is denying us the very things that are happening in our lives. But God is not denying us those things. A lot of times he's just delaying it. It's just like Moses, he, when he was wandering around, man, he was just delaying the inevitable of making him a person who was gonna deliver his people. When Joseph was in prison, when he was there for years and years and years, it was just a delay until he was ready to take him to a place where he would end up ruling the majority of the people. When Paul was gone off for eight years, figuring it out after he had an experience with Christ, it wasn't that he was just being delayed, it was that he was being prepared to eventually build the church of Jesus Christ. And do not forget that God's delays are not his denials. God is wanting to do something in your life. And why did God come in? Why did God send his son, Jesus? He came so that we could have life. He came to, so that we could have life. That's what he came here. He didn't come for here so that we could do this superficial life where we could fake it until we make it. And we could act like all this superficial stuff, all this materialism, all this thing is gonna bring substance and value to our lives. That's not what he came here. That, that's a fake life. He came here to give us a God-filled life. It's the kind of life where the spirit of God is living within us. And when we're going through situations where we don't understand it, we have this peace that is insurmountable, that is unshakable, that no matter what life is going at us, it doesn't matter what everything is going on on the outside, on the inside, man, there is an overcalming peace saying God is in control. And the same spirit that raised Lazarus from the dead, that raised Christ from the dead, is a spirit that's living within you and I. And that spirit is a spirit of life. 
And that same resurrection power that was inside of them that moved is inside of us. And God is wanting to resurrect that in our lives. That is the God kind of life that he intended for us to live. And so many times we miss out on the life because Satan in the, in the very essence of where God explains his kind of life, it's kind of Satan's mantra as well in John 10, 10. It says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his motto. That's his MO. That's what he wants to do. And so many times we get caught up in that. But right after that, it says Jesus came to give us what? He came to give us life. He came to give us life. He came to give us life. And not just life, but life in the fullest, the God kind of life that man resurrects dead things within us. And Jesus came so that you and I could have this extraordinary life. So if you're taking notes, Jesus came so that you could live. And so here's our deal, man, we gotta stop dressing like a dead man. We gotta stop dressing like we belong in the tomb. We gotta stop speaking like we're dead. We gotta stop acting like we're dead people. We gotta stop thinking like a dead person. We gotta stop hanging around dead people in our lives that are causing us to go down those roads because that is nonsense in God's world. That is nonsense in God's way of life because he came to give life. And Jesus, in this story, man, he looked up to heaven and he prayed and he said, move the stone away from the tomb. And it says in verse 43, Jesus called out in a loud voice and said, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out and his hands and his feet were wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. He says, take off everything that resembles death in your life. Take off all of that stuff. Strip it off. Get rid of it. Get rid of that junk, man. Cleanse yourself of that. Get rid of those dead things. In the scripture, it says, man, the dead, we were dead in our transgressions and sin, but now we are alive in Christ. We were dead in those things, and we need to take off those negative thoughts. Man, we need to take off all those things that says, man, man, God, you do this for everybody else, man. And I thought I would never get out of debt, and I didn't think that this would happen in my life, and I thought that there was no way I would ever have kids. And, and we have all this negative thinking, and we, we need to take all that junk off, and we need to start filling our mind with the, the beliefs and the attitudes of Christ, which is our God could do all things through Christ and strengthen us. Man, the past is the past, and, and our God is a God who forgives, man. And I can move forward in the destiny and purpose that he has for my life, man. And I don't have to live based on what has happened back there, but I, man, I get to live based on what God says about me now. And God has got an incredible purpose. He's got an incredible plan. And man, because I'm cleansed by the blood, man, I can move forward in that. And we need to stop playing church and stop acting like these are just good suggestions and start acting like that, man, these are the things that we're going to live our lives by. Because it's awesome if we come in here every week and we get inspired for a moment, but if we don't live these things out, if we don't take off those dead things and start walking as a new man, we're just dead. And some of us, man, we need to get to this point where we're not just hearing a good message, but we're applying it to our lives because God is sick of us getting dead in our doubts and dead in discouragement and dead in delay because he wants to do a new thing in our lives. And we've got to grip off that old way of thinking, those old attitudes, and we've got to start believing that, man, God can bring us back to life. It doesn't matter how long he's been dead. Lazarus was dead for four days, and if he can bring a man back that was dead for four days back to life, you know what he can do in your life? Those things, those hopes and those dreams that you had about something doing something great for God, man, God can restore that thing. He can resurrect that dream in your life. Some of you guys that have this dream about leading that person to Christ and you've never been able to lead them to Christ, man, God can resurrect that thing in an instant and bring you in an opportunity to lead somebody into the purpose and plan. Man, that faith that you used to have, God can resurrect that in a moment and you can have faith that can move mountains if you take off those dead things and allow him to do that because he specializes in bringing dead things to life. That's his specialty. 
And what is in you that's dead that he wants to bring back to life? What is in you that has been dying that God is saying, man, today I want to resurrect that thing. Today I want to do a work in you. Man, because here's the thing, man. God is tired of seeing dead people. He came so that we could have life and have it in its fullest. We got to remember that with God, death is never final in our life. It's never the end thing. He said, come out of the grave and take off the grave clothes and live. And I love what it says in John eleven twenty five. 25. It says, Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live. Even though he dies, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Then Jesus asked this question. He said, do you believe this? And that is a great question for us today. That is the best question because it really gets to the heart of it. Do we believe this? Do we believe that he is the resurrection and the life? Do we believe that he can resurrect those things that we've deemed dead in our lives? Do we believe that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever? And if he did it back then, he can do it right now. Do we believe? Let's pray. Father, we just come before you and we seek to find that, man, you're the God. This is a great God, man. You give us faith. You give us hope. You give us peace. And maybe today, some of us as as we're just talking here, we've realized that, God, there's some dead things in our life. Maybe we've been dead in our doubts about who you are and what you can do in our lives. Maybe we've been dead in our delay of not believing that, you know, that just because it hasn't happened that, God, you don't have a plan that it is, it's not over. And maybe some of you out there today have been pretty dead in discouragement. You've seen it happen for other people and it hasn't happened for you yet. And because it hasn't happened, you've been discouraged. And I'm here to tell you today, man, that God is a God of resurrection. In those areas of your life that you thought there's no way that this could ever come about, there's no way that this could ever happen, man, I've, I've given that up. God is saying that area does not have to stay dead, but I want to breathe new life into it. I want to resurrect that thing. And maybe there's some of you guys that are out there today, man, that you've got some dead areas. And you would say, God, today I want you to resurrect those things. And if that's you out there today with every head bowed and every eye closed, man, if you would just look up at me and make eye contact, I, would, I want to pray with you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Anybody here in the center? Yes. Yes, sir. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes. Over here on the right? Yes, ma'am. God, I just pray that today that you would speak life into these people, God, that you would resurrect things that they thought there's no way possible that you or they could ever see those things happen in our lives. God, I pray that you invigorate us with a faith that cannot be shaken. God, and that in the moments of, of seeing the chaos of life happen all around us, God, that we would trust in you and we would, we would have your peace knowing that you're there in the midst and that even though there might be a delay, it does not mean that that situation is final, God, and you've got a purpose and you've got a plan, God, and I pray that you just raise up a, a well within us that, man, we cannot be shaken, we cannot be moved because we trust fully and completely in you, God, and we will not doubt your delay, God, we will not doubt your, your ability, God, that we will not be discouraged, but God, we would take hope in you. 
God, I pray that you would resurrect things. Man, I pray that you would resurrect families right now, that they think there's just no way that that can happen. God, that you would restore marriages. God, that you would bring children back to the hearts of their mothers and fathers right now in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for, for ideas of businesses right now, God, that, that have maybe been dead in people's hearts. They think that there's no way that that could ever happen. God, that you put that vision, you put that call within them to, to do that business, God, and that they wouldn't hold back, but God, that they would move forward in those things. God, I pray for people that have got a call of, of ministry in their lives that they thought, man, because of the past and because of what's happened, there's no way that that could ever happen. God, that you would resurrect a passion within them right now in the name of Jesus. They would say that it doesn't matter what's happened in the past. God has forgiven all of my sins, man. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God, and I pray that today would be a new day, would be a new beginning of things being birthed in people's lives, God. And that the, 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 the grave clothes that they've had on, they would rip away and run toward the life that you have for them today. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.